Um, as I was saying, there is a really interesting program. I don't know if I, I want to get the details on it, because to me, I can see all kinds of issues. We're talking about security cameras, and they're pretty commonplace now, right? Um, home surveillance, doorbell units, millions of them watching the streets of every town, every city in North America right now. Pretty powerful information if you can access it. And in the U.S., some police forces can. They do just that. Uh, it's on the radar for police forces in Canada. They're looking at it. Now, none are doing it, and none are saying openly that they're going to do it. But at a conference in Ontario recently, the Real-Time Crime Centre Operations and Tech Integration Conference talked about precisely this. This was one of the presentations at the conference. So this is one of the things they talked about. Now, to walk us through what this looks like and what it might mean, we have Natasha Tusikov who is a former CSIS analyst and researcher with the RCMP, now an associate criminology professor at York. Natasha, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Yeah, did I get the name right? Yes, you did. Thank Good. You. Okay, all right. Um, now, one of the systems featured at this conference is called FUSIS, which essentially, as I understand it, gives police access to privately owned security cameras, right? Do you know how it works? Yes, so I've, I've looked at the company online and, and read all about it, and essentially this would be with the owner's permission, so with the owner of the residence or of the business in question, they could agree to give law enforcement either one-time access, so say in the course of an emergency, an ongoing threat, they could give access, or they could give ongoing access, 24-7 real-time access to their security feeds with the idea that all of these feeds would crowd uh, source a better uh, picture for law enforcement of a particular area. And it's voluntary. They have to either ask if you want to provide the access or you have to give them the access. They can't just, they're not just hacking into your system, correct? They are, they are not just hacking into your system, no. So this would be people who want to help out, for example, say there's a, a rash of car thefts or there's a missing child or something like that. People wanted to, out of kind of a, a idea of civic duty to lend their cameras to the police, they can revoke access at any time according to the company. Okay, gotcha. Now, um, it's in use in some U.S. cities. Atlanta is one of them. Um, and police say, hey, they love it. They can access thousands and thousands and thousands of these cameras. And they say it's a huge help. And you can see why, right, Natasha? I mean, it's instant visuals. Long before police arrive at the scene, they can have a very good idea of exactly what's happening by calling up one of these cameras. Exactly. I've watched some of the videos on the company's website, and it does look very slick. It looks very convincing. Now, for certain types of crimes in the United state's context, what they've been emphasizing this can be useful for is mass shooting events, which is much more common in the United States than in Canada. So when law enforcement and emergency personnel, so fire and ambulance arrive on the scene, they can have a better idea of where the problem is and what they're facing. For other types of crimes, however, this would likely be much more used after the event, right? So yeah. looking where where people went, where vehicles went. But this is a huge amount of information to process, right? A huge amount of data to store. And law enforcement has to have a way to somehow parse through this in a really accurate way. Yeah, I mean, and that, I'm sure that's part of the issue because of the privacy. Where does this information go? Where does the footage go? There's some massive privacy issues around this, isn't there? 
There are, absolutely. And there's also issues of ownership, right? Who owns this? Is this the, you know, individual business owner or residence owner who owns this? This goes to law enforcement. If uh, the business owner finds something embarrassing, you know, someone was doing something they shouldn't have in the parking lot, can they revoke this from law enforcement? I think once law enforcement gets their hands on it, that might be very difficult. It raises all kinds of issues, too, in terms of, like you say, privacy. Say there's something that uh, may not be popular, some kind of party or protest or event, but isn't criminal, right? Will mm-hmm. law enforcement use this to kind of police something that is legal but may not be entirely popular? And Natasha, I mean, th- there's an issue around, you know, how things work legally in this country. You need a warrant if you want to conduct surveillance. And, I mean, you can't just suddenly start watching things. I mean, does this get around some of the laws that we have in order to protect our rights as as citizens of the country? does raise some really gray issues. So people will certainly not be aware that they are on camera when they're walking down a sidewalk because some of these, uh, like say the ring camera doorbells, they capture, you know, people's porches, front yeah. areas, uh, side streets, and people certainly aren't aware of how much they're on camera. Now they may think, oh, that's just to monitor that person's front porch to make sure their package doesn't get stolen. But if law enforcement has the ability to capture all of this, really we need to have a conversation about privacy. Are people aware that they're under surveillance, that legitimate activities they may be doing uh, that aren't particularly popular, smoking on the, on the sidewalk, doing things like that, being homeless in a public space, which is legal but maybe not popular for all people, are they aware that they're under surveillance? And police may um, use that surveillance to charge them with certain offenses. So maybe it's a it's a conversation overall about how we approach policing in, in this new age, right? And sort of what do we want from our police forces in terms of oversight, overview, you know, monitoring or responding? I mean, it's it's a broader question, isn't it? I think, too, it, it's a question of what kind of society do we want to be? Do we want to be a society where there are cameras everywhere to capture potential criminal activities and in that kind of way uh, act as a dragnet to sweep up all kinds of legal activities? Or do we want to say, what are the really big problems we want to address? And maybe how do we address those? And in some cases, law enforcement isn't really part of part of the, the solution. There may be other non-legal, non-criminal justice solutions that we want to address first. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting uh, development for sure. Natasha, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you being here.